1: Hello friends, welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Tonight you are joined by me, Kirk Henderson, and fellow editor Ben Zadel. How you doing, Ben? Doing good. How you doing, Kirk? I'm okay, Uh, mainly because I want to sass Josh. Uh, He was like, I don't know if I want to do one of these yet. Just kidding. Josh was (laughs) going to join us, but uh, I gave him the night off because it's a long season and I am a lunatic. So Ben was kind enough to join us to start tonight. So what we're going to do tonight, and you know, you guys got a little bit of this from me with the, uh, you know, the the Moneyball Minute this morning, is we're going to kind of talk about some of the written content we have, but it's mainly because I just want to talk about these guys. We uh, starting on Tuesday, we after media day, we rolled out our player preview series, and we have all 15 guys written at this point, which is pretty amazing. But we're going to do one a day until on weekdays until they're up. And I'm probably going to record these in groups of three or four guys, depending on how many we have, just because I want to I want to talk about some of these players and sort of the the expectations or really how we feel about them. I mean, it's preseason. We've not seen these guys play a minute yet, but, you know, I, I'm really ready to talk basketball. Our site has, you know, all of a sudden just like flipped a switch and guys are ready to to talk, which is great. And you were kind enough to join me. So Exciting. thanks, Ben. Yeah. yeah, so we're going to lead off with the guy that you actually got us kicked off with. Um, he's new to the team. Well, new to this team. Uh, JaVale McGee rejoined the team this summer, signing a three-year deal. Uh, and he, you know, you wrote the article. I'm going to link it in the the feed. It's JaVale McGee arrives to shore up the Dallas Mavericks front court. Um, McGee is, I'm going to let you lead off with McGee because I I don't know how to feel. I like the
2: signing in a in a vacuum, if that makes sense. Um, it was it's not exciting as a signing when it's like the marquee free agent over the week. I mean, over the off season, I guess you could say Christian Wood was that marquee free agent or marquee marquee acquisition. Right, they got him in a trade. So it's really you know when you sign a backup center, even though you know we can get into the starting part, but essentially JaVale McGee is going to be a backup center. Uh, when you sign a backup center as your you know, big free agent acquisition over summer. That's kind of disappointing. Uh, but I think he's, you know, he's going to play a role, hopefully, the role that we all – I think the role that all Mavs fans envision is him, you know, soaking up some of those Dwight Powell minutes uh, that kind of killed the Mavericks uh, last year, especially if there's this insistence of starting Dwight Powell. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to say, hey, we're going to start JaVale McGee and place Dwight Powell. I think he can be a little less of a defensive uh, liability than pal was last year. And you're talking, I mean, he's averaged 15 minutes per game in his career, I think.
1: Yep. Seven, um,
2: 17, 17. Okay. Yeah. So maybe it was 15 minutes last year. And then like in the playoffs last year, I mean, it was 11 minutes per game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, and that's, that's pretty average for him. I, I've got that he averaged nine the year before and eight in the playoffs. So he's not, you know, nobody's bringing it. The Mavericks had no thought of bringing this guy in to play 30 minutes a, a night. Um He's there. You know, uh, Boban, uh, we, they needed a guy with size last year, and you would think Boban last year would kind of be able to fill that role, just an occasional big guy in the lane. That was something they were kind of missing last year. They had guys who could play the center position, but they weren't big
1: mcgee is big at least well big is big is almost an understatement so the thing about dwight powell that we are all pretty well aware of is that he has a a neutral wingspan he is a six foot eleven player with a six foot eleven wingspan and that is never more clear than when he tries to play defense at the rim Javale mcgee is a legit seven foot tall his wingspan is seven six yeah. He is a athlete. Even at 34, he is an athlete. So it's like there are some measurable elements where I 100% understand why the Mavericks wanted it. You have to get 96 minutes a game between your center and your power forward position, your big man position, and even le- and maybe even less than that if you're kind of you know going small ball with only one you know one traditional big. So what the Mavericks are, are trying to do is is soak up minutes with functional players now. We all know this. Dwight Powell was the best role man in the league. JaVale McGee was second, I think. I'm pretty sure about that uh, in terms of points on, on uh, scoring out of the pick and roll, roll points per possession. Um, there's an argument to be made that Luca can help make McGee even better. I think getting off to a good start is pretty important for this Mavericks team. So if you're playing McGee five minutes to start the first quarter, five minutes to start the third quarter and soak up you know, spot minutes the rest of the game where he's playing between 15 and 18 minutes, I think you live with it. I've kind of come to to peace with this, but I was not particularly thrilled with the signing because my sort of opinion, this is not backed by anything, but I think the McGee deal was done well before the draft you know, as most of these deals are, and the Christian Wood thing materialized. And the Mavericks are going to have to figure out a way to make that work. We'll probably talk about that more once we have the Christian Wood preview up. But McGee is an athlete. He can he he puts up counting stats. I'm a little – I'm going to be very interested to see how he fits in defensively is, is where I'll go. Um, I'm not – I'm not sold because well, he's never been a great defensive player. Yeah, he's just it's it. funny. Yeah,
2: it's funny you say that because I think there's a lot of people that have this perception of him as like, well, at least he'll come in and play defense. Last year uh, with the Suns, the on/off, in which you know take the on/off uh, statistics right. for whatever you want. But his, uh, the Suns' opponent shot 51 percent when he was on the court uh, I'm sorry, not 51 percent. The effective field goal percentage was 51 percent. when he was off the court, it was 51 percent. So he's really not you know having a huge difference on defense, but it, yeah, you know, but my my thing with the McGee signing, he's serviceable. He is a, a player that you can play in an NBA game, and for two years now, if not more, uh, we've kind of complained about that back half of the rotation. Yeah. That 9 to 12 spot just being unplayable in an NBA game. I mean, the Mavericks for like 2 years, two seasons, I mean 82 games plus playoffs. It's felt like the Mavericks were just short of guys like they're playing with a 7 to 8 man rotation for 2 to 3 years straight now, and I would just love to not feel like, man, if this guy's out, then we're just, you know, the that position is completely, you know, shallow. Yeah. And so at least this year You know, if if at some point Wood takes over that center spot or it's Maxi, whatever, you feel like you've got at least some big man depth now, whereas last year that was not the case.
1: Well, and, and, you know, lately it's funny. I'm biased against them. I lived in Washington, D.C. for a real long time. I was there from 2006 to 2021. So I had a lot of the early Javel McGee experience because he was there from 08 to 2012 yeah 2012 and he was a, you know he's he was a mess um he, he's such an interesting athlete but he just never has been able to play big minutes and it seems you know when he finally he won three rings with let's see here he won two, two, at two golden with state yeah mm-hmm. and then he he won three won, in then a row he, yeah yeah well it's he won 16 17 17 18 then he made it 1920 so oh, he, right. okay yeah it, now the, the playoff numbers look weird on um basketball reference so yeah, i understand why right. you did that but He's obviously you know he's been a part of these teams. There's something to be said for being there and in that sort of time. I think like we probably don't want to put too much relevance in this playoff experience because he doesn't play. um I do think it's funny that there's been some quotes about how he can like be a veteran for the young guys when it's like, well, the whole team is veterans. what are we doing here? Right. But it's fine to have a guy, and you know if he doesn't work out, it was a slightly expensive gamble in a in a yeah. in a contract that's probably movable um Oh, yeah. And it, as long as he can be, you know, a good as long as he can be a neutral presence in the locker room and not be a knucklehead, then I think every I, I think everything is fine. I mean, by all accounts, it seems Jason Kidd really wanted JaVale McGee. So well
2: and specifically for Christian Wood, you know, I mean that's a exactly kind of a parallel situation there where, where JaVale McGee can be like, Hey man, like when I was younger, I was a knucklehead. I didn't, you know, I didn't approach the game the right way. I've been around these like players, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. Sure. LeBron now, and I can tell you like what they do, how to work. So there is, if you believe in stuff like that, there is some, you know, worth to him being around, just being able to talk to guys like that and say, Hey man, like you've, you know, your career looks like mine early on.
1: I can tell you how to get out of that. So that might be helpful. Then we have our next guy that we're going to talk about is an interesting signing. He joined the Mavericks last year. I'm pretty sure as a camp signing and Frank Nilakina, he was like their 16th guy. I can't, to the, for the life of me i cannot remember who they ended up moving on from to make a roster spot for frank this is kind of the second year of a make good deal uh he's affordable he's functional and i thought last year he developed into an interesting three and d player now unfortunately for him the mavericks seem to be saying that both he and josh green who we'll talk about next week should be competing for some of these backup guard minutes and Frank is another athletic specimen. His arm, like he's six seven, and I want to say his wingspan is just massive. Um, let me look this up here. Wingspan. Frank Milikino wingspan is seven one. Yeah, <laughs> he's another guy with just length, and so he was obviously really effective on uh, Devin Booker last year in the playoffs. He's, an, you know, he's got kind of a hilarious willingness to shoot the ball. Um, he did that kind of like like his shots per minute in the playoffs were a bit of a riot. I just, I don't know what to expect of him. I think that, I think that by like allowing him to play, make it all is a, is a mistake. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm overthinking this. Josh Bo and I have talked about it a little bit where he's just like, I think you can survive the 10 minutes. I just, I do, you know, if they play lockdown defense, then everything's going to be okay. But I just, I, I, I'm not, I'm just not sold on this guy. I mean, he has played, let me see here. How many games has Frank played? um
2: 269 i'm looking at it right now
1: okay that's a lot of games at this point like when you're approaching 305 and and, um i guess this is the sixth season um it's you kind of know who he is and i mean granted he's still a youngish man how he is 23 23. so it's like i i can understand if you're projecting onto him yeah i just i I need i i need to be sold i'm i'm not crushing him i just I yeah, think what you're ahead.
2: saying is that he doesn't. There's not. If you were to ask somebody like, "What's the one NBA skill that he has?" You can't really name that. He's not like a knockdown shooter. He, I mean, like defense, I guess. You know, like that would be the one thing you would say. Like he's a really a, a good defensive player. But more and more in the NBA, you can't. You can't be a Tony Allen. You know, uh, right? It, it, there's just no room for that. You have to have some sort of ability on the offensive end to threaten. Whether it's you know getting to the basket or shooting a three pointer. Um, you can be a limited offensive player, but you can't be a non-entity on the offensive end. That's what he is right now because he doesn't get to the rim. He shoots a little bit better than I thought, you know, when I started kind of looking into, it, you know, he shot 34% from three last year, which is like average, like Levy average, and that's on two attempts per game. Um, you know, the year before he shot 48% from three up on a, Attempt and a half, you know. That's just that. the it's
1: those are the only shots he can take, though, because his yeah. field goal percentage for his career is 37%. That yeah. sucks. That's crazy.
2: <laughs> like, he's that not, means he can't I mean, hit anywhere. A, right. And he's not a big guy, but he's not a small guard either. He's six foot four, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's not, you know, so it's he, kind of he looks
1: taller than that to me.
2: Yeah. So I think the best case use for him is actually, like you said, a three and D guy. Don't treat him like a point guard. And and like we talked about, you know, with Josh, um, that 10 minutes per game, I think it's fine. If he can just bring the ball to the court and not do anything stupid with it, uh, just set a play in motion, you know, not ask him to make plays off the dribble, but just kind of run the team a little bit. Um, And then the rest of the time, treat him, you know, like a wing. He's, you know, just a small wing that can hit some three-pointers. You know, I I think – Maybe this summer, you know, a couple of those off seasons or you know, we talked about five years in the NBA. A couple of those off seasons have been, um, you know, screwed up by COVID situation. Um, maybe, you know, he has a full summer of working on his shot. Maybe he can hit 35, 36 percent from three this year. And that if he can do that and play defense, then he's got value for the Mavericks.
1: Well, and then he had an injury that caused him to miss Eurobasket. And we oh, don't yeah. know what that. Injury was
2: oh, I like was gonna, okay yeah so see because I completely tuned out to Eurobasket so I didn't well, know that
1: well and it was just never covered like like our 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 friends at the Smoking Cuban like covered that he was injured but like no one's been able to figure out what the injury actually was it's okay. and that. Now, granted, I've not heard anything from media today, so maybe he's fine. So it's just it's one of those things that sort of inches into the, the corner of my right. mind. I, I suppose the thing with Frank for me is I am looking forward to being pleasantly surprised. I am very skeptical. The Mavericks need someone to pop. Could that be Frank? Could that be Josh? I don't like that would be great. As long as one of them figures out something, then the Mavericks are going to be in a better place. So- it's just very it's, it's a roll of the dice for me.
2: Yeah, let me ask you that. Okay, so so what does that look like for Frank Nilakino for you? If at the end of this year the Mavericks are a little bit better than you thought they would be, and it was because of Frank Nilakino, what would he have done to to do that? Does that make sense? I mean sense didn't get, did they... like
1: if he if he participates in the bench unit guard stuff where the Mavericks aren't getting crushed in those minutes. Gotcha. Like, okay. It cannot like my worry for the season is that the Mavericks season, like the on off looks like it did against the Clippers two years ago, yeah. where they win the Luca minutes and then everything else they get destroyed. And that, that's just my concern. So. Yeah.
2: No, that's, that's my concern for the entire season. Much yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and then, then we're going to move on to our next guy. Um, One of the <laughs> Maxi Kleber is just, he, he evokes so many different kinds of opinions because this dude shot the lights out in the playoffs when he shot um, last year, which was really funny because in March and in April, he shot something like 20% from three. There dude, was one game against the jazz where I think he hit, was it eight three pointers? Like it was crazy. I'm, I'm looking you know, a, a better podcast host would be would be somewhat <laughs> prepared for this. And against um against Utah, he went eight for eleven from three in game in game two, yeah. and he hit nine three pointers in March. Uh, so yeah. it's like like his shooting all of a sudden was just insane. And like Maxi is was kind of like the the skeleton key to the to the Dallas defense. He's what unlocked them to do everything else. Because even when he was terrible last year on offense, he was fantastic on defense. And he comes into this year. He's gonna be 31 by at some point in the season, um, and you know it's just, it's gonna be a sixth NBA season, which is silly to say. It's like him and Frank will both have played six NBA seasons. Feels like Maxie's been in the league longer because he's just played a lot of he's played a lot of minutes for Dallas um, yeah. these past two seasons. He's played less because frankly he's been injured more. He played 50 games in 2021 and only 59 last year, and he's an example of why they needed to bring McGee in. Is the argument because? Maxie just – he he he's a guy who can play about 25 minutes a game, and you probably maybe even want to see if you can get away with less to rest his body, and they, they just – they need him. They need him for – he spaces the floor, he makes right reads, he plays spectacular defense, but he's also – it feels like he's kind of on the edge of a knife in terms of, like, his athleticism could completely go away, and if that's, like, so much of Maxie's game – is based on confidence and rhythm. Like when he plays, like he gets into these, these both these funks and these highs where he's outstanding or he's terrible. And it's, it's just a little, it's a, it's not fair that the Mavericks rely on him this much, but, but he's, he's just a really interesting guy to talk about. Yeah. That March.
2: I mean, we thought he was broken. I mean, honestly, we were, it was starting to become a, uh, you know, cause everyone goes through slumps. I mean, he shot like 28% in November. And that's that's a slump. In March, he went nine for 51, shot set basically 18% from three. Yeah. I mean, that's not that's not a slump. That's like I said, we were thinking the guy was broken. And then, like you said, all of a sudden, Utah series eight, eight for eleven, you said. I mean, it's it's wild. And it's a confidence thing because and you can see it. There's certain games where you just like I've screamed at my television for Maxi to shoot a three-pointer. Yeah. Like the ball gets kicked out to him, it's a wide open three. It's like his shot. He's not on the move or anything. It's a maxi cleaver shot that you want him to take. And he'll even, well, not a pump fake so much, but he'll kind of pull it up like he's going to shoot and then decide, no, I, you know, it's almost like he's got like a like a counter in his head of, you know, oh, I've shot four times already. You know, I'm kind of, you know. Yes. It's, it's yeah, like he's, like he's too unselfish. Who, yeah.
1: Like he's a little too, he he's, he's like the fourth best guy on a team in pickup. And he's a little concerned that if he does one more thing, and it's, it's just, I don't know. I really, I've always really enjoyed Maxi's game and it's painful when he wasn't working. And then in the playoffs, when things started to work for him, he was a big factor in why they were able to hold on again, you know, in advance against Utah. And it's just, he's, he's important to the team. And I'm curious to see how important he will be this year. Um, and it, it's the, the outcome, the range of outcomes for him, I, I, I think he just, he matters a lot. Like if he gets hurt, you know, back, knee, whatever the options could be for him, then that's going to spell some trouble for Dallas. Yeah. He's, yeah.
2: well, like I said, it, it, you talked about his confidence. I've said so many times that if Maxie Kleber believed he was as good as the rest of us believed, he'd be like a borderline all-star. Yep. He because I mean, the guy, like you said, he's got the versatility on defense that he can guard in the post, but he can actually go out on the perimeter and hold his own with those guys out there and hold his own might be underselling him. He can really play out there. Uh, And then, like I said, he can hit shots, you know, I mean, but it's all a confidence thing. Like it's it's basketball is one of those sports where you can like actually see the confidence drain out of a guy like in real time. And you can see it with him almost. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's transparent that you can see it going through his head. Like, nah, I'm, you know, I'm just not hitting shots right now. Pass it up, even though it's a. I mean, there's shots even when you're not hitting your shots. You've got to take those shots because it's part of the offense. It's it, it helps create space for Luca, and you've got to make the defense respect that shot. And it not not taking that shot is worse than missing the shot. And I think there's a lot of guys that don't understand that
1: sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'm still hopeful that he has a good season because I just sort of think he's one of the the linchpins aside from Luka Doncic and how how things can go. The last guy we're going to talk about is a guy that we've only seen play in Summer League and Jaden Hardy, who is obviously the Mavericks rookie selected in the second round after the Dallas Mavericks traded off with Sacramento to come up with a pick. Hardy, at one point in his high school career, was considered the ESPN number two overall guy. He went to play in the G League and his elements of his game were... Um, just to put it kindly, we're exposed. Uh, he, he, it, the G League is tough. So I, I don't know. I don't know how critical of, of him to be uh, because there's a lot of about his game that I really like and then a lot that I can understand why he fell. And... To be to be frank, I don't expect him to have much of a role with the Mavericks this year. I expect him to be out in Frisco a lot. We're probably going to try to cover a little bit of what they do out there in the G League and, and what he can do as he just gets repetition. You know, I watched four of his games up close and personal in Summer League. No, only three, excuse me. And one was great and two were just terrible. Um, he's He's much more of a scoring guard than a point guard. He's got a great frame. He's big. He's got an electric smile and a ton of confidence. And my my kind of vanish take on this is there's a lot to build on, but it's gonna take a lot of work. Yeah.
2: It's gonna take a lot of reps. And and much like you know, we don't have to get into Josh Green right now, but I I wonder about the amount of reps he's gonna get because there's just not a space for him. To, to make mistakes on this team that, number one, best case scenario is going to be fighting for like a three to four seed, I think. Worst case scenario is going to be fighting for like a six to seven seed to avoid that play-in tournament. And they just don't have the room for a rookie to make those mistakes. And he sees it like kind of like what you're saying. He seems to be the type that it's not – he needs to he needs room to like figure out what shots work in the NBA and what shots don't. Um, and that's part of the big, you know, learning curve for like younger guys is and when they're younger, they can get away with like, because they're more talented than everybody else in the court, hands down, there's just, you know, certain ways they can get to the basket and it's easy. And then they hit the, like, seems like, you know, he hit the G league and it was like, oh, there's like grown men athletes here. I'm not just going to be able to get past them. I'm actually going to have to figure out, you know, like different ways, different angles to get to the basket, um, you know he shot really badly in the G league. I mean, a small sample size, it's only 12 games,
1: but, um, I like his shot. I just like his shot. Like there's, you know, again, Josh green is a fair comparison point because Green's shot was busted. This guy's shot is crisp. It's confident and he's willing to take the shots. And I think that it's, I don't see him, you know, it's, it's not like you want to say he's a replacement for anyone, but like, I could see him doing elements of what Tim Hardaway has done in the Mavericks offense, which is, you know, catch, catch, shoot, catch, take one dribble, shoot, you know, very like quick decision, simple read op- like stuff if he's ever going to to play this year. Lord knows if he will, but I I'm I'm interested. Like I'm just I'm piqued because you just don't. I don't know, like you just don't go from being one thing to being something else. I, as I understand it, and I could be wrong here, he seemed to be like much more physically developed than some of his peers, which is why he was kind of dominating earlier in his prep career. Um, and then maybe just elements of his game, you know, when, when guys start to catch up physically, the rest yeah. of the, because he doesn't, he's not a superior athlete. Like he's a good athlete, but he's right. not like one of the quickest guys in the draft or anything like that. But he's still an NBA level athlete. And you know, I, I think like if he, if he gains some strength if he also develops his handle, his handle was, was kind of shockingly rough, but again, he's like willing to put the ball on the floor. It's just the, the read on him in summer league was if you send a second guy at him, he's going to turn the ball over and that's kind of oh. what happened. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's going to be like a season where we occasionally probably check in on, 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 um, Mr. Hardy and say, Oh, that's nice. Well, I wonder what he's going to do for the team. And and for me, that's, that's kind of enough right now.
2: Yep. Yeah. And I can say, I mean, for me with, whenever a guy goes down to the G league, uh, it's. A, I mean, it should be easier for him because he's you know been to in the G League already. Um So if he's playing with the legends, for me it was always like for instance Dwight Powell. We make fun of Dwight Powell whenever he would early on he would get sent down to the legends for some just to get some run, and the guy would put up like 38 points and like 20 rebounds. So yeah. if, if a guy belongs in the NBA, you can really see it pretty quickly in the G League where once they once they get things figured out, I mean they just torch everybody down there. That you know it's not. So like minor league baseball where a guy just wastes away down there, you know, even though he's doing good, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty obvious that they don't belong in the G league pretty quick. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, this was, uh, you know, what I'd hoped to get out of our time here talking a little bit about these guys. Um, The, the preseason starts, when does it start? I should know this stuff, but you know, I again, think Wednesday, Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, and, and if, if, you know, we'll, we'll be covering that And and you know, we got a fair amount of stuff coming out over the weekend you know, we'll probably wildly overreact to the first preseason game, which is against the Jazz. That's it. It's eight o'clock. Oh, no, never mind. That's the that's the last game. So they play the Thunder on the fifth at seven o'clock. Um, so we'll be here for that. I'll probably do a live show maybe Friday or over the weekend just to kind of touch base with folks. I like talking to people. Um, And then, you know, maybe me and Josh will be back at some point to do, you know, another one of these recap pods. I'm not sure. Um. We'll see how things go. Thanks for joining me, Ben. No problem. It's always fun to be here. All right, guys. Kirk and Ben, Mavs Moneyball, please check out the site. We're pumping out content, and we're really looking forward to the season. Please rate and review. That sort of stuff very much helps me, and I appreciate all of you. Everybody have a good Friday.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.